This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hi, welcome to the Suffolk Law School IP Issues Podcast, periodic programs on intellectual property issues hosted by Lando and Anastasi. I'm Tom McNulty, an IP litigator with the Cambridge, Massachusetts law firm Lando and Anastasi, where our practice includes all areas of intellectual property law. You can learn more about our firm at our website, www.lalaw.com. With me today is Sandy Congdon, an attorney at Lando and Anastasi who practices in the patent prosecution, licensing, and client counseling areas, primarily in chemical and biotech, but in a variety of fields. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And today we're going to be discussing the requirements in patent law of absolute novelty in the United States, but also around the rest of the world. So I guess the way to kick this off would be to discuss what is meant by novelty. Well, generally novelty, or the novelty requirement with regard to patent law, requires that the claimed subject matter of a patent application must not be part of the prior art, or in other words, already known. So for example, prior art generally refers to any activities that show an invention that has been previously invented, patented, or disclosed by an inventor or a third party. So the novelty requirement really is that whatever is claimed can't have already been done. Correct. It sounds very simple. (laughs) (laughs) To put it down to its basics. And as I understand it, at least in the United States, and I think it's the same in a lot of other places, it's not necessarily a requirement that whatever is different be some groundbreaking, amazing piece of inventive work. It just simply can't have existed. Exactly. And then the term absolute novelty, what is meant by that? Well, in most countries, your invention cannot have been sold or disclosed in prior patents or publications in other forms of media, or even in an oral presentation. And the absolute novelty requirement differs in most countries, and some may include exceptions or grace periods that give some flexibility and latitude with regard to the requirement. So in most countries, you really have to file your patent application before you really do anything That's correct. public with this stuff. And what makes it more complicated is that if you're U.S.-centric or in the U.S. and you want to file first in the U.S., the U.S. actually has a one-year grace period. So you have one year from the first public disclosure of the invention to file a U.S. patent application. But that's not true in other countries. So if you follow the U.S. laws, then it may cause some issues down the road when you want to file in other countries. What disclosures would be considered public, you know, the types of things that you would then have to worry about, whether you were putting your absolute novelty at risk? This differs based on different countries, but generally it's by disclosing in a patent or patent application, a journal article, uh, electronic communications such as the internet, some oral disclosures in the form of presentations, sales of the invention, or public demonstrations and uses. You had mentioned electronic communications. If you publish something to the internet, I could certainly understand that, but what if it's under sort of limited circumstances? It's an email that gets sent out to a small, discrete group of people or something like that. Generally, that would probably not be an issue. It mostly includes publishing something on the internet, even if it's for a short period of time. Okay. So let's first discuss the absolute novelty requirement in the United States, since obviously that's where we live in practice and probably will be the area of primary interest to people listening. Sure. The U.S. actually does not have an absolute novelty standard, which makes it different from most countries. We do have a one-year grace period here from the first public disclosure to file a U.S. patent application. So if you give a presentation, oral presentation, or if you publish in a journal, you have one year from that date in order to file a U.S. patent application. And that patent application could be a provisional application, non-provisional application. It really makes no difference. Okay, so if you really wanted to, you could make your disclosure, file a provisional year later, a year after that, file a utility application, and almost in effect get yourself two years. 
That's correct. Let's talk about some other countries. I guess before we get into anything specific country by country, is there any generalities that might apply? Well, some countries have a grace period for absolute novelty, which makes it not a true absolute novelty. The grace period would allow for this period of time before you file a patent application to disclose in some forms. And some grace periods cover any sort of disclosure, while others are specific to particular disclosures that are in the rules of the particular country. And in these countries, these grace periods, I believe you said, usually apply only to disclosures by the applicant and not by independent disclosures by third parties? That's correct. I mean, generally, it's grace periods that the applicant can use to disclose their invention, but it doesn't apply to third parties. So when somebody's looking to file an application, what are some of the things they need to be considering in terms of absolute novelty? Well, they should definitely look at what the grace period is. Generally, some of them are six months, 12 months and whether the grace period includes any disclosure or is limited to particular disclosures. They should also look at what period of time the grace period actually covers. Does it go back from the filing date of the application, which is sometimes the PCT filing date, or does it go back to the filing date of the priority application, which may be a provisional application? You should also look at who made the disclosure, whether it was the applicant or the third party. You might also consider if a disclosure is made within a grace period, whether you're required to file a statement at the time of filing it or sometime thereafter of what the disclosure was and when the disclosure was made. And also you might want to find out or determine whether there was a non-disclosure agreement or a confidentiality agreement in place, which would preserve absolute novelty. So if somebody came to you looking to file a patent application in the United States, for example, I guess the first thing you would really want to know is what other countries are of interest so that you can take a look at this up front. That would be very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know you had mentioned that some countries, including the United States, but some countries outside of the United States also have some sort of grace period. Can we talk about some of those countries? Sure. Some countries have a 12-month grace period, which is fairly unlimited in terms of what sort of disclosure can occur during those 12 months. For example, these include Brazil, Canada, Mexico, and Australia. In Canada, generally, the invention must not have been previously disclosed and enabled before the priority date of the application. And unlike some countries, the grace period in Canada is for applicant-derived disclosures, which extend back from the Canadian filing date, which in a lot of cases is a PCT filing date, and it does not go back from the date to which the application claims priority. This is different from, for example, other countries such as China, where China uses the priority filing date rather than the actual application filing date. And any disclosure that's carried out during that grace period would not affect novelty? That's correct. I think you had mentioned Australia was another of the countries with the 12-month grace period. Yes, in that case, you know, again, prior to the priority date, any publication anywhere in the world would destroy novelty. And the 12-month grace period applies to disclosures by the inventor, not by a third party. That it occurred within the 12 months prior to the filing of the Australian application. So this is also similar to Canada. Actually, one quick question on that. You had mentioned that in Australia, the grace period only applies to disclosures by the inventor. So I'm wondering if a third party, once an inventor had filed somewhere else as a priority date and has the year's period of time to file in Australia, if during that year a third party came in and basically republished the application, which perhaps would be unusual since it's probably still confidential at that point, but can a third party during that intervening period come in and destroy your novelty by publishing your work? Does that destroy novelty in Australia, even though he's really publishing the inventor's work? It doesn't destroy the novelty because the intervening party would have had to publish it prior to the priority date of the Australian application, which is the U.S. filing date. 
So interestingly, in Australia, even though a non-disclosure agreement will generally insulate a disclosure from being found to have been made available to the public, work done under a non-disclosure agreement could be problematic, but only if done before the priority date due to a separate bar in Australia to secret uses of an invention before the priority date. What's the thinking behind that? Australia's policy reasons for not allowing uses of inventions prior to the priority date under a non-disclosure agreement because they argue that it gives the applicant a chance to extend its monopoly beyond 20 years. And this generally applies to commercial uses that are done under a non-disclosure agreement. So this could apply, for example, to method claims where you're using the method to make a product and selling the product? Sure. But people don't necessarily know what the method you're using is? Right. This kind of secret use part of the Australian law, is that something that you've seen in other countries as well? Or? I have not. It seems that Australia has this policy. However, I have not seen it in other countries that I've looked at. There were some other countries that had grace periods, but not the full year grace period that these countries did. Why don't we talk about some of them? Sure. Some countries have a six-month grace period, and these are limited grace periods, which means that they only apply to particular disclosures, or in other words, absolute novelty is not destroyed during that six-month grace period if particular disclosures are performed. Other disclosures would disqualify you from the absolute novelty. Some of these countries include Japan, South Korea, China, Europe, Taiwan, and Vietnam. What types of disclosures are permitted within this grace period? Of course, it varies from country to country, but generally it focuses on disclosures such as unauthorized disclosures by parties who derive the invention from the applicant, experimental testing by the applicant, displays by the applicant and officially recognized exhibitions, presentations before officially recognized academic societies, and publications by the applicant in officially recognized journals. All right, I know a lot of the countries that you just discussed seem to be of economic importance, so why don't we look at some of them? You had mentioned Japan was one of these limited grace period countries. Disclosures are not considered a bar to novelty in Japan as long as the application is filed within six months from particular disclosures. Disclosures are generally what I've discussed above, which they include conducting of experiments, introduction of an invention by a person entitled to obtain a patent in a printed publication or through electronic communication means or in a presentation to a study meeting held by a scientific organization designated by the Commissioner of Patent Office. It also includes disclosures of inventions against the will of the person entitled to obtain a patent and display of an invention by a person entitled to obtain a patent at an art exhibition held in Japan by government international exhibit. It also includes display of the invention by a person entitled to obtain a patent. It's important to note that you may need to submit a statement upon filing or thereafter, to disclose a prior disclosure to the Patent Office. China was one of the other countries you had mentioned. They're, of course, becoming a major player in world events. Yes. So in China, the grace period is within six months before the date of priority, which is different from what I talked about before with regard to Canada or Australia, which was a 12-month, but from the date of the filing of the application in Canada or Australia. And the novelty will not be destroyed during that six-month period if it was first exhibited at an international exhibition, sponsored or recognized by the Chinese government, if it was first made public at a prescribed academic or technological meeting, or it was disclosed by any person without the consent of the applicant. I find it interesting that a lot of these countries have an exception when it was disclosed by a third party without consent of the applicant. I guess it's just their way of protecting the applicant from any sort of disclosure that was not approved by them. I'm not quite sure how frequently that happens, but they've made a point to put that in these rules. So Yes, that is interesting. I know there are a few other countries with longer grace periods, but also have the sort of limits on the types of disclosures. Yeah, examples of countries include India, Thailand, and Singapore. 
And in Singapore, it's actually interesting because they also make note that the disclosure has to be an enabling disclosure. And disclosures are not considered a bar to novelty as long as the application is filed within 12 months before the actual Singapore filing date and not the priority date. And this is similar to Canada and Australia, as I okay. discussed earlier. So disclosures are not considered a bar to novelty as long as the application is filed within 12 months before the actual Singapore filing date. In Singapore, this applies to disclosures by the inventor or by somebody who derived the invention from the inventor only, though, isn't that right? That's correct. And so it has to come from the inventor or, like you said, someone who derived the invention, which is different from a third party. Okay, so let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts, how to preserve foreign filing rights in some of these absolute novelty countries. Sure. I think that the preferred choice or the preferred way to go about this, especially since we're speaking more U.S.-centric, is that it's important to file a U.S. provisional patent application and use that as a placeholder for establishing a patent filing date before a first public disclosure occurs. So don't wait to file a patent application until after you've disclosed. If you're planning on presenting at a conference or publishing in a journal, it's important to get the U.S. provisional patent application filed before you do that. But it's also important that the provisional application has all of the information that you really want in the subsequent applications that you'll need to file within one year of filing that provisional application. That makes the priority date a true priority date and ensures that you can claim priority back to the provisional application and get that early filing date. And I think one kind of strategy to bear in mind, certainly had a lot of clients do it, is when you've got something that's not ready for patenting yet, you can file a provisional application, and within that one year, you can file subsequent provisionals as you continue to work on it. So that way you preserve the earliest date for each bit that you can. That's also a very good strategy to take, is just to continue filing within that year as new developments come to light. And of course, once you file the provisional within that one year period of time, you need to file what? Either a U.S. non-provisional you know, utility application or a PCT, and or a PCT, I should say. You can do both. Right. Yeah. I mean, if the goal is to foreign file, then you definitely need to file a PCT application, which would allow you to then enter a whole list of countries, and the filing date in those countries would be that PCT filing date. And if indeed you did, if you claimed in the PCT application in the subsequent filings, the subject matter that was originally included in the provisional application, then you hold the provisional application filing date as your priority filing date. And of course, once you've got your provisional on file, there still are other considerations that you need to sort of have in mind in terms of what you're doing in that year. You want to make sure that you comply with the particular rules with regard to six-month and 12-month grace periods, or if you're looking at particular countries that have no grace period, that you comply with what particular disclosures you can, and look at what disclosures you cannot do during that period to ensure that you preserve absolute novelty. And it seems like one important step in all of this is at the very early stages when you're sort of even just thinking about getting into this particular area of business that your patent's going to be in, is decide where it is that you want protection and have that in mind right from the outset. That's a great strategy to have. If you can do that, and a lot of times it seems very premature to do that, but if you can do that, it makes the most sense. So that you can look into the particular countries, do your research ahead of time. You know, I also recommend contacting particular associates in the particular countries to explain your situation and get feedback as to how to proceed to ensure that you're preserving novelty along the way. Certainly, and that, of course, is a service that you can go out and dig up on your own, or you can go to a U.S. firm, and you know your U.S. firm can have contacts in foreign countries, which is 
you know, something that we typically offer at Lando and Anastasi. Now, what do you do with somebody who has already made their disclosure? You know, have they lost all their rights in these countries? Is there any way of avoiding it? It's fair to not to assume that they've lost all their rights. And it's important to look at their particular situation and really figure out what they did, when they did it, and then look at the particular countries that they may be interested in and see what their requirements are. And from there, you can sort of figure out what strategy to take, which countries that you can file in. All is not lost. Okay, well, it's good to know that there at least might be some hope. For whatever reason, the circumstance of disclosing and then notifying your patent attorney seems to be more common than we'd like to see. Yeah, that's definitely true. But, I mean, it's definitely important to just know before you disclose anything, the most important thing to do is to try to file a patent application to get that date in there. Well, thank you for joining us today and talking about this. If anyone has any further questions, how can they reach you? They can reach me at Lando and Anastasi. Uh, my email is scongdon, C-O-N-G-D-O-N, at lalaw.com or at 617-395-7071. Okay, and if anyone has any questions for me, I'm at tmcnulty, M-C-N-U-L-T-Y, at lalaw.com. And you can reach me at 617-395-7040. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.